Welcome to the Fans Edge Sports Talk Podcast, hosted by Mike and Essie. We want to give listeners a fresh take on all things sports. We are professionals. We are fans just like you. Make sure you subscribe to our show on all of our social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you're also on YouTube. Hit the like and subscribe button. That does nothing but help uh, bring traffic to the show. And we get more and more discussion where you, as a fan, get to come on the show and speak your mind. Uh, Sorry, I do want to go ahead and apologize for the delay, everybody. You know, we're supposed to do this on Sunday, but um, came back from vacation, and (laughs) it was just a little bit crazy, man. There was no way I could do this show at all, man, but, (laughs) bro, there was no way I could have did the show yesterday at all. You know, uh, we're just going to say I was jet lagged, you know, getting off that flight. (laughs) But. Have you been seeing this crate challenge that's been going uh, viral lately? Oh, my. They're calling it the Hood Olympics. I have. And my main question is, where is everybody finding these crates at? Hey. Hey. The memes that are dropping about this, it's hilarious because they're talking about the government is dropping the crates in there. And uh, I don't know, for anybody that's watched Snowfall, uh, the guy who's – you know, the plug for Franklin Saint, they're saying that he's the one that's dropping the crates in the hood. So, <laughs> but I think the crate challenge, you know, I've seen a couple people, only like two people have done it successfully so far. Everybody else have had bust their head, bust their back. Uh, definitely be safe out there. I've seen a lot of people doing it on concrete. Not something that I would advise. Definitely do it. Bro. The, the two people that I have seen bust their actual head did it on concrete, bro. And I'm talking about, like, head first. No, sir. So. I've seen it. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to cap. I've seen it a couple times. And me being me, I was like, people can't, like, find their balance on some crates. But then as I continued to watch a couple of them, I was like, yeah, I mean – I guess I understand, but I don't know. I'm still, I'm still on the fence about if I want to try it or not. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not gonna try it. Nope, 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 nope. Well, hey man, uh, little James, man, we appreciate you for for subscribing. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. Um, stay tuned for more uh, um, content as well. But man, we we got some. Uh, some stories that you want to talk about. Um, the Raiders uh, are calling the Bears about Khalil Mack. To me, that that makes no sense. Why would the Raiders want to get him back after letting him go? Thank you. I mean, it was just something that popped up while I was at work, and I saw it, and it really made me think. Like, obviously, John Gruden realizes, and uh, what's his name? One of the one of the other dudes that's over the that has like the best analysis when it comes to the draft, Todd McShay and somebody else, but Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. And uh Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper, and then it's another one, but I can't remember his name. He's now the GM of the Raiders. And I saw this and I was like, Y'all literally let one of, if not the best running, I mean, not running back, linebacker of this generation go. I mean, I kind of understand it to, you know, help the organization out as a whole, but what makes you think the team that you traded him to after seeing what he has done for that team on the defensive end, what makes you think they would trade, like they would just give him back to you for a, maybe somebody who they don't know will possibly pan out the way that Khalil Mack is panning out because, Khalil Mack came from what, like Buffalo University? Not a power five, nothing big. 
So obviously a lot of people weren't looking for him like that. Were surprised when he got drafted, when he got drafted, but now he is one of, if not the best linebacker in the league. What would make you think they're just going to trade him away? I don't understand that thinking. So yeah, I was like, this is something I kind of want to talk about, you know, get your perspective on it, see how you feel about it because the Raiders looking dumb. Like, yeah, y'all have a lot, y'all have a lot more talent now than y'all did when y'all traded away Khalil Mack, but y'all could have possibly still gotten that same amount of talent while you had Khalil Mack and you could have built around him just like they're trying to do with Derek Carr. So I just don't understand the thinking. I mean, I get why you would want him back, but I don't understand the thinking of why you would actually try and go through with that. Chicago wasn't interested. I wouldn't be interested either. They ended up signing a uh, unique and Gakwe who was in, who had his own troubles when he was in Jacksonville. And that's why he knows he's no longer there. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it, see how you felt about it. Yeah. My, my thoughts uh, about it is, I mean, it, to me, it, like you said, it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't even really think that it's, uh, you know, worth talking about as well because, I mean, to me, how is Matt going to, you know, take that? Is he going to be happy about that type of situation, you know, going back to to the Raiders? Because I thought that there were some relationship strands that got broken personally uh, with that situation. So, I mean, screw that. But, um Speaking of the Bears, I don't think they're going to get rid of that. Uh, you know, in their previous uh, preseason game, Andy Dalton went out there and the fans started booing him and um, chanting uh, Justin Fields' name. Uh, I want to shout out to Justin Fields, though, because what he did was chose the character and the leader that he was. He said, I thought it was disrespectful and it doesn't help anybody, you know, going uh, booing Andy Dalton. I think that the fans should cheer, uh, you know, any player that goes out there, you know, and is trying to help our team win. And I just think that it goes to the to the level of Justin Fields, which is, you know, crazy that Justin Fields backed him up because Andy Dalton came out and said, you know, uh, Justin Fields will be a great player, but right now it's my time. And I just feel like, you know, as a veteran, as someone, I just feel like he's a, he's definitely bitter because, why not just come out and say, hey, you know, Justin Fields is pushing me. We're competing. You know, he's definitely a great player. And, you know, I want to teach him and help him grow and to being the best player that he has had. Because, Andy Dalton, you have already had your time. You know? I mean, you're talking about it's your time. You're a seasoned vet. Your time has already been had. This is not your time. This is Justin Fields' time if you want to be real. You're just keeping the seat warm until it's ready. Um, you know, we did see Justin Fields get rocked. Don't know if that was a, uh, you know, protection uh, scheme that he might have messed up on or the offensive line might have messed up on. But we will see Fields with the first team a little bit more versus the second team, and we'll really get a gauge on, you know, if Fields ready to actually start or not. Um, we want to move on to something that just came out of uh, – you know, a report that came out this week talking about a former player who got arrested in Rashawn Jones, number 38, for uh, the Miami Hurricane. And he was charged with the murder of um, Brian Pettit uh, in 2006. Um, and it's just crazy. The police kind of hid who they had as a suspect. ESPN had to petition to get the record. And then they go to court, and they had uh, the, the detective end up saying, you know, hey, if you go and you look at this police record that were sealed, then you'll know who we had under the investigation. Now, there's no new evidence or anything that they have came out and said, but now that they have finally arrested the guy. Um, but I just think that it's sickening because, this guy was like, when they was doing a memorial on the field after a game for him, you know, he was like right there in the front of the picture. And I just thought that's kind of sick, man. Uh, 
that you murdered somebody and then you're sitting there trying to cherish them. Uh, give me your thoughts on that. So, like I told you, the this, the reason. So I saw this. I like, I saw it, and I was like, "Is this new?" Well, I obviously knew it wasn't new because of the jerseys that they held on in the picture. But I saw the picture first, and then I started doing my research on it, and I was like, "That is that is wild." Like, obviously, we know all these kids that come into college all come from different backgrounds, but. If you come to play a sport, obviously y'all all have the same thing in mind to potentially win a national championship and get yourself in a better position to hopefully help yourself and help your family. So I don't understand how, and then y'all go through, y'all see each other every day, y'all go through the same things every day. And then somehow, whatever it was over, you end up getting in the position to where you feel like you can just gun this man down who, from what I've read and what I heard, like he was going to be very like he was a star for Miami. So he was potentially going to get a chance in the NFL. So I don't I don't understand it. And then I I saw the picture. They were mourning Pata and Jones was one of was in the front. One of the people that you can see in the picture. Everybody else has their head bowed, eyes closed, all of this. But you want to know something? Brian Pata in that, I mean, not Brian Pata, Rashawn Jones in that picture. If you zoom in, he is literally like just looking at the memorial, like the flag or whatever they had for Brian Pata, just looking at it while everybody else has their head down, doing their prayers or whatever they were doing, looking like he was like, man, I really did this, all this and all that. So it's just kind of crazy to me. I don't understand it. It's sad. I'm glad that Brian Pata's family can finally, you know, be find out like who did it and what happened and finally get some ease about it. I mean, nobody can nobody feels right after losing someone, but now they the person is caught, they got some type of justice, so I'm happy for them. But at the same time, talent lost potential wasted and somebody spending potentially life in jail for whatever reason that obviously more than likely wasn't worth it. Man, I, I definitely agree uh, with you on that, man. I'm uh, just hoping that the family can find some closure. This guy was able to go 15 years of his life, you know, um, and just live his life with no repercussions for his actions. And now, uh, he, hopefully, he reached what he saw. And this was all over a girl. <laughs> Senseless. I all did see over that. a girl. They dated <laughs> the same girl. I did see that. And yeah, that was I mean, something that led the investigators to believe that it was Rashawn Jones. So it's just dumb. Emotions, man. Keep your emotions in check, man. And if you can't, I mean, you can always walk away. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I, I I don't understand it. You can always go and you can date someone else, man. That person just might not be for you. Um, let's move on. In college football, man, uh, you're talking about someone who was coaching, uh, you know, teams that were one to claim national champions in UCF, what Scott Frost did, and then getting to Nebraska and not being able to, you know, replicate the same thing. And like I tell people, you can recruit to UCF. It's Florida. It's a hotbed, for one. Uh, you could take some Florida three stars and turn them <laughs> into greatness as well. But uh, things have become a little harder. Now, NCAA has Scott Frost and the Nebraska football program under investigation. Um, this comes uh, from a report by Brett McMurphy. The athletic director of Scott Frost already came out, did a press conference um, acknowledging that they're is an investigation, and uh, Bergman Murphy said that uh, this was improper use of analysts and consultants. Meaning, you know, um, when you when a football program hires an analyst, they're supposed to only like report to the coaches, they're not supposed to have direct contact and be coaching players. Um, so that was one thing, and then another one during the pandemic, um, 
they used off-campus facilities to avoid pandemic restrictions. So, uh, and, you know, Brittany Murphy is reporting that uh, he didn't say allegedly, but I'm going to say allegedly uh, that Scott Frost was aware of, you know, these analysts uh, coaching players up like he was right on the sideline watching. They said that Scott Frost was aware of moving this stuff off uh, facility. Now, in the press conference for athletic director, we heard Scott Frost come out and say that, uh, you know, he did everything that the university had asked him, that athletic program had asked him to do. He followed all of the protocols. Um, that's what he is sticking with. So, I mean, if his bosses knew, that's one thing, you know. I mean, I just think that, you know, I, I'm really hoping that this is not true. Uh, I guess we'll end up figuring it all out. Nebraska says that they are uh, being fully transparent with the NCAA. Uh, when we thought that there would be no more NCAA interference, yet again, there is NCAA offense. Uh, but what do you feel about the NCAA in, in this uh, taking this action? I mean, I understand where they're coming from. And I, it all starts at the top. Whenever I hear anything like this, it is very hard for me to believe that the head coach, whether it whether it don't matter what sport it is, it is hard for me to believe that the head coach had no idea because it starts at the top. So I'm hoping it's not true because I like Scott Frost. But at the same time, I, I do feel like he's on the hot seat. So that would this would give them another reason to, you know, go ahead and give him the boot, even though he hasn't really had his fair shake. You know, COVID happened. He hasn't really gotten all of his recruits in there. But, I mean, the NCAA is still, unfortunately, going to have some type of grasp on college sports. So if they feel like he has done something wrong or violated their rules, they're going to step in. And they're going to try to hopefully get it right because we know they get it wrong a lot of the times we should have to sit back and see but you know i feel like scott frost can because he he got good recruits in at ucf which is a very small school compared to the other schools in florida so the fact that he went to nebraska which is i'd call nebraska blue blood of college football i mean they've won they are They've won their fair share of national championships. So you go there, you should be able to basically, after what you did at UCF, you should basically be able to recruit whoever you want. So I could understand if some of the higher ups at Nebraska were upset about him after what's been going on and now this is happening. I can understand why they would be upset. But we're just going to have to wait and see about the whole thing. But I hope it's not true. I want Scott Frost to be successful. We're just going to have to sit and wait and see what happens. Man, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, man, we got some, some reports coming out of the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 talking about their alliance. And I'm just going to go off with, with this, man. Um, there's not too many times I agree with Paul Feinbaum or anything that ESPN uh, says, but I definitely agree with Paul uh, with Paul Feinbaum, this is this is flat out embarrassing. Um, you know what this shows is is this is being um, how do you call it? Being very reactionary instead of taking a step back, thinking and seeing. Because right now, like I said, I think the Big Ten should have went ahead, and if North Carolina wanted to come to the Big Ten, do that. I think you need at this time, you know, if your reaction is going to be um, to what the SEC did, then it's, it's match them, not form an alliance because what, what, what does this alliance benefit just to make sure that, you know, another, another conference doesn't get uh sucked dry and left out in the cold like the big 12. I mean, this doesn't help. Are they, is these schools going to all be part of one TV deal? I mean, is this a tactic to stop what the SEC is doing and sit there and say, oh, we outvote the SEC in things. 
I mean, I, I, I really don't understand this, uh, this logic. Um, to be honest, I really think that it should just come down to, and go down to, you know, uh, how do you say, uh, two conferences, maybe three conferences, you know, and survival of the fittest. And who's, who's going to win it? I mean, obviously the Pac-12 doesn't, they can't make the playoffs. So they, you know, their teams can join another conference. Literally, it could be the Big Ten, the ACC, and the SEC. But, you know, um, for the ACC to ally with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 says a lot because they've had a relationship with the SEC for a very long time. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have had a relationship for a very long time. So I can see them aligning, but I don't understand how the ACC is able to align and align with these two and then not be the SEC. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very slippery slope slash like snowball effect because now that Oklahoma and Texas have moved to the SEC, I feel like that makes them like a super conference. So everyone's gonna try to compete with what they have going on. So everybody's gonna try and find a certain way to make one their schedule tougher and to get themselves in the best position to be able to make it into a playoff. But at the same time, you have to go like your own way about it. If you if you feel what I'm saying, like this this alliance may, like you said, like you kind of pointed at, like this alliance may truly not help anyone when all is said and done. Because when it came to basketball, the SEC and ACC had an alliance. Like it was the, I remember they would show like, oh, this ACC team is playing the SEC team, part of this, which is part of basically the alliance. I mean, I get it helped there, but when it comes to college football, it's a college football is a whole different beast. And I just truly don't know. It's like I said last time, it's about to become the wild, wild west in college football because everybody's about to be scrambling to try and get themselves in the best position to make their resume the strongest to get in, which is another reason why I understand the, the historic significance behind you know, Texas and Oklahoma, I'm fine with them being in there. But how does that truly help us? When I say us, I mean the SEC. Because look at when you look at it, when's the last time Texas has even been close to playing for a national championship? When they had Vince Young? <laughs> Oklahoma has, you know, gotten into the playoff, done their thing. So I can understand that. They, they will kind of help and will – if they come into the SEC and do their thing, it will probably honestly give them a better chance at getting a higher seed in the playoffs. But I don't – the alliance could help, but it could also hurt a lot. So this is just one of the things that we are unsure about, that we just have to sit back and see how it works out. Like we had to do with the playoffs, like we're having to do now whenever Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC. We're just going to have to sit back and watch. We don't truly know, but we'll see. Yes, sir. That that we will. And, um, you know, Oklahoma, this is the, you know, speaking of Oklahoma, this is the year for them to win an national championship. And when you're talking about um, – you know, the ESPN Power Rankings, the ESPN Power Rankings put them at number two. And um, I'll just go through the list. Uh, you got Alabama at one, Oklahoma at two, Clemson at three, Georgia at four, Ohio State at five, Texas A&M at six, Iowa State at seven, Oregon at eight, uh, Notre Dame at nine, North Carolina at 10, Cincinnati at 11, Florida at 12, USC at 13, LSU at 14, Miami at 15, Wisconsin at 16, Indiana at 17, 18 is Iowa, 19 is Washington, 20 is Penn State, 21, Texas, 22, Coastal Carolina, we remember what they did last year, 23 is Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, we saw what they did last year as well. 24 is Ole Miss, and 25 is Oklahoma State. And uh, 
I have no problem with Alabama being at number one until, you know, someone knocks them out. Hey, you know, they, they, they're doing their thing, and then they won the national championship by a wide margin, um, also putting up historic uh, teams. That team will go down in college football history. Um, now, I will say this. Clemson at three, I definitely disagree with. Uh, I think Georgia should be up there at four, um, if, especially if you're going to put Ohio State down at five because of all the production they lost and the people that they lost. I think you could do the same for Clemson as well. And like I said, I think this Georgia team is a team to uh, watch out for. Um, I think they're going to be more explosive on offense, which has been their down their downfall. And we already know the defense is going to be solid with their head coach, uh, Kirby Smart. I think this is the year, if they're going to get over the hump with Alabama, this is the year that they'd be able to do it. My thing looking at this list, one, they obviously have big thoughts for USC for them to be 13 in the top 20, the top 15. Yeah. I don't, I myself, we've had talks about it. I believe USC is going to eventually get back to where they were. They just need maybe like a couple more things to fix everything, but I'm not sure 13. I don't know. And this is another thing. I don't understand why everyone is so high on Georgia. This is not me being biased. This is not me being a Florida fan, but you're talking, I mean, I get it. People leave, you bring in new people, you have people with more experience, but we're talking about the same Georgia team that almost lost to Cincinnati, which I'm not knocking Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a great team. So I just don't understand how they're so high. I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in believing that the, whoever wins the national championship should be number one until someone beats them. So I have no problem with Alabama being number one. I understand why they have Oklahoma at number two. They have a lot of potential. A lot of potential. I could see them actually winning a game in the playoffs and making it to the, the national championship game if everything works out how hopefully Lincoln Riley wants it to work out. I just don't understand the hype on Georgia. I get it. Kirby Smart is whatever. But for I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And um, the reason why, if you if you go back and you start and you read, um, like, the Phil Still Magazine and Pick 6 Preview, this is the first time JT Daniels will have an offensive coordinator for two years. For one. That's the, that's, that's the number one point. For two, the uh, second reason why he is going to have, uh, why George is going to have a tremendous year is, is the chemistry um, that these players will get. You're talking about JT Daniels still was building, even though the offense looked way better at the end of the year, the chemistry wasn't there. And then you're talking about, and then you want to compare it to the Cincinnati's game. You're talking about going up against a defensive coordinator and Marcus Freeman, who is one of the hottest coaches out right now that just uh, became a defensive coordinator of Notre Dame. And I'm talking about winning huge recruiting battles against the likes of teams like Clemson, teams like Ohio State. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you're talking about a Notre Dame team who literally just elevated their level of play. And I'm not saying that it's going to show this year, but I believe that they have elevated and that they will start getting over them hump of, uh, you know, they, they could never win the big game. This is the year or this, the next three years will be the years where I think Notre Dame will be able to get over the hump because of the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you, you saw what Marcus Freeman did. With Cincinnati, you saw that defense. And, uh, I mean, look at where they ranked them. Cincinnati goes up against Notre Dame this year and Indiana. They ranked Cincinnati at 11 and Notre Dame at 9, which tells me that they believe that that's a close team. And you're talking about Luke Fickle, who is the head coach of that Cincinnati team, going up against his protege in Marcus Freeman. I think Luke Fickle might be able to uh, – Explore a little bit of that because he knows what Marcus Freeman likes to do. So, hey, that I think that's going to be the biggest chess game in that. But then look at what they're expecting from Cincinnati because they have them higher than Indiana, 
a group of five team higher than a power five team. I think that's saying a lot. And um, I think if Luke Fickle wanted to leave Cincinnati, he could. But I think he's going to try to push Cincinnati into being in one of these power fives. So I mean, we can see. I know Ohio State definitely doesn't want uh, Cincinnati to be in the Big Ten. Um, I think maybe it would have helped uh, Big 12 if they had a brought in a Houston and a Cincinnati, you know, and maybe they wouldn't have been in this in this market because then those TV deals that they could have had would be like, okay, if we if y'all brought in Cincinnati, you get some Midwest, uh, some Midwest love in our network for the Big 12 instead of just having a Southern region. So, I mean, hey. That's a that's another part of the alliance. Um, and then when you talk about Ohio State, uh, they just named their quarterback is C.J. Stroud, who we have predicted and thought that it was going to be. It was the guy who, when Justin Fields went down in the Clemson game, that's who they trusted to go out there. Uh, but, you know, the five-star Kyle McCord was battling. I think he's going to end up being the backup from all of the reports that I'm hearing out of camp. And then you got the guy, Jack Miller, uh, who probably wouldn't be third, and Quinn Ewers, who was supposed to be in the 2022 class, reclassified, skipped his senior year, and that he has an undisclosed physical injury. It's not about grades, they said. It's not about eligibility. Uh, it's something physical, but they should have him back by the end of this week or in a couple of days or so. But um, C.J. Stroud, uh, he was, they, you know, they came out and said, hey, uh, he has separated himself, and then uh, after the scrimmage, Ryan Day called a press conference, and he came out and said that he's the starter. Um, and it's crazy because when the Big Ten went out there with their cameras, that was the day of low management, so they didn't get to see any uh, C.J. Stroud really throwing any passes at all, which I think is, uh, you know, Ryan Day said it had nothing to do with the Big Ten cameras being there, but I think it does, and you know uh, how the Big Ten and Ohio State got into it last year because of the pandemic. But um, go ahead. I was just about to say. I mean, you watched the Elite Eleven just like I watched the Elite Eleven. We watch a lot of the same things, so we see a lot of these quarterbacks when they're coming out of high school, and we try and judge them based off of what we know. Obviously, we both were like. I believe that C.J. Stroud was going to end up being the starter for y'all. I, I mean. You didn't know you, but you have more insight than me, and they probably didn't give y'all like the full scope. So I feel like CJ Stroud is going to be good for y'all, but at the same time, because he is young, because he's still learning. If times get hard, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought someone else in. And mm. it kind of goes the same for Quinn Ears, because I feel like I feel like he's just gonna be phenomenal whenever he gets. To where he understands y'all's program and understands the speed of college football. But I feel like CJ Stroud is y'all's guy right now and he would do really well for y'all. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if if things didn't end up going the way Ryan Day wants them. I wouldn't be surprised if even if it's just for a half of a game or a quarter of a game. I wouldn't be surprised if CJ Stroud ended up getting benched. But he has the talent. He has the talent to take y'all as far as y'all need to go. What I'm saying, some people need just that little extra time. Because, you know, practice speed, getting practice reps and game reps are two completely different things. He did get some game reps in when Justin Fields went down, but it's completely different coming in for a starter than being a starter. I, I agree with that. You're talking about um, all, all what, four of these quarterbacks have not attempted, not attempted a college pass at all. So even though C.J. Stroud got in there, he handed the ball off or he ran the ball himself. Um, I'll tell you why, man. Uh, all the reports I'm hearing is, is this is as close to Justin Fields as you're going to get. Um, they say that uh, – his athleticism is very deceptive, and I feel like if I don't think that this is going to be the Urban Meyer where he, you know, someone's going to be having a look over their shoulder if they make a mistake. Um, 
I mean, from what I hear, I mean, the way these quarterbacks are coming out, and you're talking about C.J. Stroud has been working with um, NFL-caliber quarterbacks. You're talking about NFL wide receiver who already came out and said that he throws better than the guys getting paid on Sunday. Talking about starting quarterbacks that get paid on Sunday. He, <laughs> I mean, C.J. Stroud, the reason why he was not a high five-star and came out, and the only reason he burst on the scene is because of what he did at Elite 11, is because he didn't go to these football camps like all of these other recruits did. And that's, I think, the sad part about recruiting and high school football. If you don't go to the camps, no one knows about you. I mean, but the camps are there to get you exposure, the exposure that you either need or that you want. But you got to think about it. These camps aren't free, and not everybody's parents can pay for it. It's an investment. If you believe in yourself enough that you believe your talents are good enough to get you to where you can have your family not stressing about stuff, if you feel like you are the one to be able to put yourself in a position, then you got to invest in yourself. I'm not saying where's like, the money coming from. Look, look, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm telling you, I, I play high school football and you're talking about, and in my high school, we got out, out at like, you know, most high schools got out at two o'clock. I'm at two 30 or whatever, two 33 o'clock. We were done at one o'clock. 115. So we had practice, and I'm talking about like I, I went, I lived on the east side of school, went to uh, I lived on the east side of Cleveland, went to school on the west side of Cleveland, and you're talking about a two hour bus bus ride, you know, uh, catching multiple different buses, or you're talking about catching the subway, you know, so there was not much time for me to work and get money. I mean. I did try to find alternative ways to get money, like selling my bus passes when I was able to get rides and different things like that. But I mean, other than that, I mean, if all, if you're training, if you're training, you really don't have much time. So, you know, I mean, it's just, I just like CJ Stroud's story. I think it's going to be amazing. And uh, the man fights with a chip on his shoulder. And that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. But we got some games to get into because it is week zero, bro. It's week zero. College football starts now. I don't know why they started this week zero crap. It's but really it's weird. here. It is weird. It's weird. And to be honest, it kind of throws off our college fantasy. But it is what it is. We're going to make, hey, when life hands you lemons, we're going to make lemonade. Starting off, we got Nebraska versus Illinois, Illinois is breaking in a brand new coach in Brad Bielema, your former Arkansas coach, former uh, Wisconsin Badger coach, coming back to the Big Ten, and Illinois returns. Yeah, Illinois returns the most, the most seniors than any college football program, and I'm talking about over, I want to say, thirty something seniors, including super seniors. So this team is experienced. I think this is a team that Nebraska cannot take lightly. And, uh, I mean, I think the biggest question is, I mean, they're favored by seven points. But can Adrian Martinez finally get everything together? Uh, this will be, what, his third or fourth year starting uh, under Scott Frost. And, you know, he's had the turnover bug. And it's not mainly been interceptions. I want to say – his turnover problem has been fumbling when he gets hit. So, yeah. can can he stop that? Will we see him take the next step? Um, you know, I kind of want to have faith, but then, you know, with this game in Nebraska, you know, you're talking about there's distraction. NCAA is looming. Who are they investigating? Are they talking to players and talking to people, you know, during, during game week? You know, is that a distraction for the team? Uh, the, I think that the the line here at minus seven is perfect for this game. I really do. See, I'm going to go ahead. 
I'm gonna go ahead and take Nebraska because even though before we got on, I was like, and I'll still say it right now, I feel like Scott Frost is on the hot seat. They do have a lot of outside things that could potentially weigh on the players and things of that nature. But I just feel like when it comes down to it, Illinois had been, you know, trending a little bit going up when they had Lovey Smith, but then they got rid of Lovey Smith. They're under a new coach. They're all trying to learn new things when you're going against players who, even though they haven't had the success that a lot of people have probably thought they would, they know their coach. They know their system. They know what they have to do. They know their objectives. Adrian Martinez, also another thing that I said before we hop straight on, I hadn't heard too much about him since he was starting as a true freshman, but hopefully this is the year where he's matured. And like another thing I said, my radar and your radar are two different things. So hopefully this is the year where he steps up and shows why he was so coveted in the first place. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, like I said, I think that uh, the line is set right where it needs to be. Um, I'm I'm going to go ahead and take Nebraska as well. It's because, um, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because of the depth that they have at running back and, and the experience. And then they also got a transfer in um, – Tyreek Johnson, a defensive back from Ohio State. So I'd like to see how they use him as well. I think this team is going to step up in the right direction. Under Scott Frost, I think that, uh, if anything, this should help him be more laser-focused on his team and uh, elevating what they should do. And, I mean, if you're trying to get any distractions off your mind, is this not the perfect distraction right here? Um I want to talk about the UCLA versus Hawaii game. Um, UCLA is 18-point favorite with the over-under set at 68-and-a-half. It's a Saturday, 2.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. And um, to be honest, I'll tell you this. I just feel like going up against an Hawaii team, um, that line is definitely set too low. Uh, if UCLA is going to go ahead and end up beating UCLA, and you're talking about some guys who have some defensive backs, uh, the, the star of the defense and Derek Stingley um, at minus 18, which will, what they're telling me is is when it comes to UCLA, uh, the following week having to go to, against LSU, Derek Stingley going to have to pick. Um, I, I don't think that Hawaii has – I mean, I know that they've been getting a little bit better – but I don't think that they're a uh, team that should be, you know, challenging. A, um, I know it's week one, but I don't think they should be challenging a power five team like that, especially a Chip Kelly uh, ran offense. Um, I do expect UCLA to win this game. I think that they should definitely, definitely hit over 18. So I don't know about the over-under on this game. Uh, I don't like over and unders in the beginning. I normally stay away from the over and unders um, when you're talking the first week just because you're talking about offenses that have to get acclimated, like Essex said earlier. Gang speed, practice speed is a complete different. You're talking about the way the NCAA has put out these rules where these guys can't really uh, have too much contact. You're talking about there's probably going to be a lot of missed tackles and things like that, these guys actually getting real contact and really trying to, you know, hit somebody for the first time. So we'll see about that. I mean, I I agree with you. I can kind of – so this game is kind of just weird for me because both of these teams have had historic pass. You look at Hawaii with Cole Brennan and you just look at UCLA with – Jared Goff and just well no Jared Goff came from Cal I'm sorry I'm sorry but just things like that my thing is I would say the biggest question mark to this game and how it would go would be UCLA's quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson I don't know he's one of those people that got two last names but 
He was he also competed in Elite Eleven. Didn't obviously didn't win it, but wasn't the worst there. But he still hasn't, you know, kind of got himself acclimated to the hype that he was getting. And then they also have a tight end that's also pretty good. So it's just kind of I feel like it's gonna depend on UCLA's offense and if they can get things together. Because I'm not saying in no way, shape, or form that UCLA could win their conference, but I'm saying if they can get things together, they could be a team to look out for. So with that being said, I'm taking UCLA. No offense to Hawaii because Hawaii has always been one of those teams that either they're going to win by a lot or they're going to lose by a lot. Lose by a lot. (laughs) But it's going to be a high-scoring game regardless. But I just feel like UCLA – with what they have should be able to cover for one. And then also just, you know, take care of what they need to go out there and do. Especially if, like I said, Dorian Thompson Robinson, whatever his name is, goes out there and finally shows, cause it's in his first couple of years, he did struggle. So if he goes out there and looks more confident behind center in the pocket, things like that, I feel like this game really isn't like a like it's an obvious it's a no-brainer. It's UCLA wins type thing if they go out there and look the way that they should and play the way that they should. Man, well, that's going to be uh our couple week uh picks. We will be posting um the games that we have picked um, for the week, so we gave y'all a little sneak preview. Most of the time, we don't talk our pick on the show and who we pick. We normally uh, tell you to go to our Facebook page, our Twitter, our Instagram to check those out. But uh, I'm glad that you all uh, got to get a couple. We will be posting those later on this week. It will be before these games kick off. So be looking on our social media pages as well. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube, so be looking forward for that. Uh, our College Fantasy Football Corner, man, uh, we will be posting a live draft this Wednesday. What we will be doing is we will have our people, uh, our players, the people who are in this league will be on this live show, and we will be checking in with them, talking to them. Why did they pick those players? Uh, and what what strategy had, did they use or might use, and how they feel about the team that they picked as well, and uh, who they're looking forward to. So, um, Essex, what are you looking forward to uh, this Wednesday for our draft, August 25th at 7 p.m.? Be ready, folks. I'm just looking to see, you know, the, the, the team, obviously mine, the team that, you know, is going to look the best. And you know, come out with the dub. It's kind of it's it's very weird. It's very weird because I'm more used to NFL fantasy football, so I have a completely different way I draft in the NFL than when it comes to college. So I'm just looking forward to seeing everyone everyone's picks, the teams, and then seeing how everything's going to shake out. Cause like I said, I even told you like it's. I'm winning. I don't care what you guys say. I'm winning the league. So, <laughs> so, I'm just. I'm just. If I had to pick one thing, I am ready for the draft to be over with, so I can compare my draft picks and my team to everyone else's team. All right, we're gonna see, man. Essex is very, very confident in winning. Um, we do have Smiley, who won the first year that we did do this. Um, I'm looking forward. Uh, I do got a lot of people talking crap already uh, and saying that they're going to win. So um, we'll see, but stay tuned. The draft will be live this Wednesday, August 24th. Um, if you do, are not able to always watch us on YouTube, remember, we on our, are on all podcast platforms. Our main one is Anchor. Um, if you go on Anchor, you can go ahead and leave us a voice message if you are not able to um, 
be on the live show. Just leave us a voice message. It will let, give me a notification, and I will be able to uh, post your voice in our uh, Fans Edge fan corner. And that way, you can be on record saying what you want to say. Make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms. The Fans Edge Sports Talk uh, on Facebook. Make sure you follow the group, not the page. The group is where we allow you and we post the link for you to come on here and discuss all college sports with us. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. We appreciate all of the support. Isaac, you got anything else for the folks? All right, I guess Essek is just, muted. My bad. Just stay tuned. We got the draft Wednesday. Like I said, y'all want to stick around, see me pick the the championship winning team for our fantasy league. And just stick around because we're still coming up with new ideas for you guys, new things to keep y'all active with us because, it, like we say, it's the fans edge. This show is for y'all. So we want to do whatever we can for y'all. So just stick with us. And with that, we are out, folks.